in a little bit. I just want to set the stage for my message uh, this morning um, by kind of just doing a little review to bring us all on the same you know, page here. So about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I spoke on a uh, passage in Acts on Philip the Evangelist and the Ethiopian eunuch. I just, I was waiting for the two. They don't get as excited about being Ethiopian as I do about being Italian, and they're more Ethiopian than I am Italian. So we talked about, you guys remember that? So we talked about the uh, Philip and how he led this Ethiopian uh, man to Jesus Christ, how strategic it was. And I talked about your core group, and I attempted to practically help you as a core group to live on mission. And also, I, I pray that it was inspirational to get out as a core group and to live on mission and to bring people to Christ. And then two weeks ago, I spoke on spirit-filled worship. It was really a teaching on how we can, as a church and then as individual members, enter into the presence and the glory of God. I showed a video of the temple in Jerusalem. Anybody remember that? All right. Um, hopefully that's not all you remember from the sermon, but if it is, that's fine. Uh, we looked at that video on the temple, and then I taught you about, you know, the outer courts the holy place and the holy of holies, and how worship is a progression from, you know, the distractions of the world into the presence of God. And the reason we go, we progress towards that place of God's presence is because that's where he is found. That's where his power is found. That's where his glory is experienced. And that's what we want. And that's what you're made for is the glory of God. Okay, why am I bringing that up? Because today my message is, at least I hope, my message will be a fusion of these two things. A fusion of evangelism, living a life on mission with the presence of God. And um, I was actually, I wrote down a question here. Um, my opening question was, have you ever tried to talk to someone you didn't know about Jesus and felt like it didn't accomplish much? I mean, it was just not exactly what Isaac said, but that was a question I had for you. And I think all of us would say yes. Um, well, today I want to explain to you that when you will fuse these two things, the power of God, the presence of the living God, with, a, with you as a willing vessel stepping out, you will see supernatural things, amazing things. And specifically what we call this experience and what we find in the scriptures is it's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to speak today about the baptism in the Spirit. Now, when you hear that word baptism, you may think of water baptism, right? I'm sure that's the first thing we think of when you hear baptism. And that is very important. When we are converted to Christ, we receive water baptism. What I'm going to speak about today is another encounter with God, a different experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not in water. And then after my message, we're going to have some more worship and pray together. If you notice, that was kind of a shorter worship time. So you might have been thinking, man, I can't go to the Holy of Holies in like 10 minutes. Well, don't worry, because I'm hoping we will get there today. After my message, we're going to go into some worship and just pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've been asking this week that God would do something um, amazing. Two weeks ago was so amazing, you guys. What a great time together. I've heard some great testimonies and what God did, and I'm looking forward to today. Just if you would just reach out with your faith, prepare your heart for what God wants to do. Um, and speaking of that, maybe we should pray. Why don't we just pray that God would meet with us now um, and, and, and use me and, and, and open your heart to him. So could you join me? And let's pray. So Father, 
I ask that uh, my message and my teaching today will be a demonstration of what I'm attempting to say, that, Lord, I'm speaking about your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And your power is what we want. Your power is what we need to be a light for Christ on this campus. And so, Father, I pray that your power will be displayed now. I pray that it will be displayed during worship and in every aspect of this morning together. We ask that many of us will be filled with the presence of Jesus in such a supernatural way. So we thank you for it, and we just commit this time to you. I ask that you'll guide me and direct me now in Christ's name. Amen. Well, those of you that have been in H2O for uh, at least one year have probably heard me speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody heard that? Baptism. Now, you've probably seen me take out power tools. Well, today I'm going to go in a different direction, um, but it is fun to get my power tools here and uh, scare some people when I turn them on. But uh, I am going to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but a very different angle today as I was preparing this week. And you guys have heard, many of you have heard this, and I thought, wow, this could be a really fresh way to demonstrate the uh, importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit by looking at the conversion of a man in the scriptures. And this man is named Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Now, you've probably heard of Saul. Um, Let me kind of set the stage of who he was. Saul was a very highly educated Jewish leader. He excelled in philosophy. He excelled in theology. He was respected as a scholar, and he was one of the preeminent authorities in early Judaism, not early Judaism, but Judaism at the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he also was a man on a mission. And his mission early in life was not the Great Commission. His mission was to stamp out the church, to put an end to this early, what he considered a blasphemous sect of Judaism. So he was on a mission. He was a man on a mission to stop these Christians from preaching their message and converting the Jewish world to Christ. And he carried this mission out by ruthlessly persecuting believers. And uh, in fact, the first account we have of of a young man that was killed for his faith in Jesus is the story of St. Stephen. Some of you guys know that story in Acts? He was stoned and killed because he was a follower of Jesus. And as we look at that story, you will see that Saul of Tarsus was there. He was the man that was standing in the background approving of this. I want to just open my message by talking a little bit about him. And what I want you to understand, and the reason I'm taking this angle is, I want you to see the work, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in Saul's conversion. And it's just mind-boggling. When you, when you dig into what brought Saul to Jesus, it is so supernatural, so amazing, and impossible outside of the Holy Spirit. And that is why it ties into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you're wondering why I'm going this direction. But you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read uh, Acts 8, verses 1 through 3 real quick. This is um, what the Bible says about Saul and the persecution in the early church. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made made great lamentation over him. Again, Stephen had just been killed in the prior chapter, so they're weeping, they're lamenting his loss. They, They bury Stephen. Now listen to this verse. 
But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So right in the context of Stephen's martyrdom, Saul is a key player, you guys. He's literally going into houses and dragging people out for their faith in Jesus Christ and throwing them into prison. Now, I find it really interesting, you know, sometimes as believers, we, especially you guys that are here at the University of Michigan, but this really applies to any university. That was too extreme of a statement. Most universities in America are hostile towards Christianity. Is that surprising to you? Anybody seen that, right? So sometimes we can look at our current state and think, oh, does God understand? It's so hard to be a Christian. I mean, the early church lived in an environment where you had guys like Saul of Tarsus that were breaking into dorms and apartments and dragging people out because they were Christian and throwing them in prison. I would say that's a tough environment, right? Well, the church thrives in those environments. The church excels in that um, because we have a God who knows the way out of the grave. And we have a God who has supernatural power through his Holy Spirit. And Saul is about to find out. So Saul, is, it's about to, to really get super real with him. Now, I do want to say this, that when you look at this man, Saul, he doesn't look like a spiritual seeker. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that if you're like, okay, so who's our core group going to reach out to and bring to Jesus? You probably wouldn't think of the guy that's going dorm to dorm and ripping people out of their dorms and throwing them in prison, right? But I'm telling you, he was a spiritual seeker. And, um, and in a sense, in the natural realm, yes, he didn't look like he was ready for Jesus. But, but through the power of God, there was a work that was done in him that changed his life for all eternity, which we will talk about, and our lives. And I wanted to say this as well. Do you know some people on campus that don't seem like they're ripe for harvest? Um, we were out on the Diag on Wednesday sharing Christ. It was amazing, by the way. It was so good to be out there with some of you students. That was a great time. And I think it was Brooke that told me you, you went over, maybe you and Janae talked to a couple of girls, and I noticed, and I was like, hey, how how that conversation go? And I think you said something to the effect of, they were like, well, we, we don't believe in God or something. Was that somewhat clear? Like, they were up front, like, well, we don't believe in God. Now, you, when you get a response that way, you might think, well, they're not open. Do not falsely conclude that because the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of every person. He's been working in your heart since you were a young girl, a young boy. He's working in every person here, and we can't just judge in the natural realm. Sometimes what happens is we attempt to bring people into the kingdom by using reason and logic alone. And what is going to ultimately bring people to Jesus is a supernatural revelation from heaven. And this is what we're going to find out in the life of Saul of Tarsus. And this is what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. You see, Saul had a hard heart. And hard hearts are not broken apart by reason alone. They're broken. That, that, that hardness of heart is broken up by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what softens the heart of a man like Saul. And so we're going to look at... Um, what happened here and Saul's conversion. So if you want to open up with me, you can. Acts chapter 9. I'm going to do a no PowerPoint sermon. Oh, man. You going to stay awake? Let's go. Let's get fired up. All right, trying to wake you up. You guys just going to slumber here. Don't fall asleep, Joel. 
All right, so we're going to just get into the scriptures and look at Saul's conversion. And again, I want you to look at the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll talk about how this ties into the baptism in the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says this, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Okay, let's stop there. Again, so Paul has asked for official legal documents from one of the leaders so that he can go find Christians, go in every crack and crevice where they're hiding, and rip them out of those those uh, apartments and to throw him in prison. This is his mission. And he's coming and he's feeling tough, man. I got a letter from the leader. I am commissioned. I am ready to go find these Christians. He's, he's on a mission. And in the midst of that mission, Jesus gives a supernatural revelation. And look at what happened. We already heard there was a light from heaven. And now let's look at verse four. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. They heard the voice, but they were seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. How amazing is that? I mean, here's this man going to persecute Christians. And Jesus appeared to him, a great light from heaven. He fell on the ground. He heard the voice of Jesus. And then he was struck blind. How incredible. Three days he couldn't even see. And um, what I want to point out in this, and I've already said this, but Saul would not have been brought to Jesus through a reasonable argument. He understood reason. He was eloquent in his speech. He understood philosophy. He was a teacher. What brought Paul to faith was a revelation from heaven. One revelation from God is greater than a thousand arguments of man. Yeah. One, one word from God, one encounter with the Holy Spirit. Students on this campus that have one encounter with Jesus, it's more than a million arguments of reason. Now, I'm not arguing against reason. I'm not arguing against logic. I think it's clear that Christianity is the only thing that can save us from the insanity. Christianity is the only thing that can really protect logic and reason in the world today. So I'm not against reason and logic, but ultimately, these students that you're trying to bring to Christ, these people that Isaac thinks are being transparent and talked about, maybe feeling a little scared to talk to them, they, they don't need an argument from you. They need Jesus. And when Jesus appears to somebody, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them, that will change them. And that's what happened to Saul of Tarsus. 
Now, it's not, you know, you might look at this story and say, well, okay, that's good. Do we just pray that God will um, show up on the diag and strike people blind and speak to them? They'll start walking around like, oh, what happened? Jesus appeared. I mean, yeah, you can pray that. That would be amazing. But you have a role in this to play. And a part of the story that is often overlooked is the role that this everyday, average Christian that most people don't even talk about, he played in, in Saul's conversion. His name is Ananias. And maybe some of you have heard of Ananias. Probably some of you have never heard of him. He's just tucked away in the book of Acts. But he was an everyday Christian just like you. And God used him remarkably to witness to Paul and to be a part of Paul's conversion. I want to look at that passage with you as well. This is Acts chapter 9 again. We're going to go on in the passage, verse 10. And as we look at the role that Ananias played, I want you to look at the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of an everyday believer like you. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said to him, here I am, Lord. Okay, let's stop right there. Ananias had a vision from the Lord. What does that tell me about Ananias? He was a man of the Holy Spirit. He prayed. He listened. He believed that God would speak. He was a man that walked in the Holy Spirit. This is part of our role as Christians, and this ties into the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we'll talk about this morning. Ananias, a man of prayer, even though he's an everyday believer, he had a vision from God, and the Lord said, Go. And he said this, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, I'm sorry, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So let's stop there. So the Lord says clearly to Ananias, I want you to go to this place. There's a man named Saul of Tarsus. He's blind. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias, and that's you. You're going to go to him and lay hands on him, and he will see again. You see the supernatural character of this entire conversion, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in so many ways, orchestrating this entire thing. And so um, Ananias, you know, of course, he's not like me and Isaac. He, he, He was like, let's go, Lord. Let's go do it. I'm not scared. No, that's not Ananias. You see, when you sometimes worry about talking to people, it's not just you. Even Ananias was hesitant to go talk to this man. And you see it right here in verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 13. He said, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard about, uh, from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias, man, this makes me feel so encouraged. Because we can overly spiritualize these people in the scriptures like they were just ready to go for the Lord. You know, it's like the Lord says, Tessa, go talk to that professor about Jesus. Yes, Lord, all right. And then you think, well, if I'm hesitant, maybe, you know, I'm not like the people I read about. I'm not like other people. Ananias was scared. He was nervous. I can't go. 
Lord, I, I can't go. Why can't he go? Because he said, I heard about this guy, Saul. I know what he's doing. He's persecuting people. If I go pray for him, I'm going to be thrown in prison. But then in verse 15, the Lord said to him, let's read together, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings of the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed. He entered the house and laid his hands on Paul. And he said, or on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. He took food and he was strengthened. Now, again, the supernatural element in Saul's conversion is everywhere. The Lord spoke to Saul from heaven. The Lord spoke to Ananias from heaven. The Holy Spirit directed Ananias to go to Saul. He went to Saul. He laid hands on him. He prayed for him. The scales that were on Paul's eyes, Saul's eyes, who later was renamed Paul, they fell off. He regained his sight. It was a supernatural miracle. Everything in this story just screams we need the supernatural power of God to be a witness on this campus. These students have heard every argument in the book. There's tons of reasonable arguments. There's tons of, of questions they have. But you listen to them, and then you just lay your hand on them. If they say, yeah, you know, you can pray for me, and you lay hands on them and pray, and they encounter the Spirit of God, it will change them forever forever. One moment with God, one encounter with the Holy Spirit will change professors, students, parents, family members. And what does this have to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit? This has a lot to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, because what I'm going to teach on now, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the doorway into this supernatural power to be a witness. It is, a, it is given from heaven for you to empower you to step out in the supernatural. And we're going to look in the book of Acts. Well, we're in the book of Acts, aren't we? We're going to stay in the book of Acts, but we're going to back up. And I want to look at chapter 1, verse 8 with you, and then look at chapter 2 as well. And I want to talk with you about what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. And like I said, you probably heard a lot about this. Maybe this might be new for some of you. But I want to try to really break down what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of this in your life as a believer? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, one of my favorite verses when it comes to the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this verse. Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So before Jesus was ascended to heaven, he gave a promise to his disciples. He gave them a command and a promise. And the command was that they were to be witnesses for him. So they were going to be his witnesses. But in that promise and in that command, he gave a promise that you don't have to do it alone. You're going to have power. You're going to have supernatural power.
power, and that power is going to be the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the next chapter of Acts, chapter 2, if you want to look there with me, verses 1 through 4. So I'll set the stage here. So again, Jesus was with his disciples. He'd been raised from the dead. He told them they're going to be his witnesses. He's going to go back to heaven, but he says, just wait before you start to witness, wait, because I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and that is going to give you the supernatural power you need to be my witnesses. Here in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we see this encounter. We see the Holy Spirit poured out from heaven. The Bible says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and it rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's stop right there. So this, this passage is that first teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was poured out in the early church. Now, we see other passages throughout the book of Acts where other people are baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. But I think one of the, one of the things that stands out in this passage that most people talk about is the gift of tongues. As the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, they began to speak in other tongues. And I think this is where some people get confused about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of people see, the, see tongues as almost the, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like you, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you speak in other tongues. And it's so amazing and supernatural and wonderful, and it's, very, and it's outward and visible, so you, you can hear it, right? You can see the people, and we can think that, yeah, you know, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been, uh, have you spoken tongues? And I want to clear up the confusion here, and, and it's very important that we understand this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not given so that you will speak in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is given so that you will have supernatural power to be his witness for Jesus Christ. That's why it's given. Right, and that's why I wanted to look at the story of Saul's conversion because it was the supernatural power of God that converted him. And it is the supernatural power of God that will convert everybody, will bring anyone that is lost back home to God. Now, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, you will speak in tongues. But that is an outward sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not the purpose. And I know I'm getting really theological. Uh, just bear with me, but it's important. The purpose is power. You will receive my power. The purpose is power. Does anybody feel like you need more power? And you're witnessing? I mean, I do. I was talking to students on campus Wednesday, and I'm just thinking, what can I do? You know, I need the power of God. I need his supernatural power to bring people to Jesus. And that is the purpose. And a blessed sign of that is indeed speaking in other tongues, which shows you that you were baptized in the Spirit, but the power is the purpose. Um, now, a question that might be in your mind is, is how do I receive this? Because 
in a little bit here, we're going to just go back into worship, and this is going to be a, a beautiful house of prayer, and we're going to pray together and worship the Lord and spend time in his presence. Um, and so maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit before, and you're wondering, you know, I, how do I receive this? So I want to talk with you about that before we go into prayer so we're all uh, on the same page and we understand how to receive this. Um, again, let me just say this. The, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. So you are converted in Christ, you receive water baptism, but then there's this incredible experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower you to be a witness. And you receive it simply by faith. Now, that may not um, be a sufficient answer for some of you that like to have a three-point um, you know, rule and playbook of how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know? Do I just come to the front, kneel down, lift up my hands, and then I receive? Maybe, but it's, it's by faith. You receive it just, I don't know, think of like, how did you receive Christmas presents from your parents when you were a little kid? You just took it and with excitement opened that baby up, right? You didn't get it because you were worthy. I mean, God knows you were a trouble kid, some of you especially. Um, your parents didn't give you gifts because you deserved it. They gave you gifts because they loved you. And the way you received it was you just looked at it, and with a smile you opened the package and you took it. And that's faith. You had faith that something good was going to be in there. And so ultimately, you will receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit by asking in faith. Lord, I want this. I want you to empower me in this moment. And you step out in faith. And you receive it. And that power will come upon you. You will speak in other tongues. And you will receive supernatural power to be a witness. Now, how about the people in here that have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm sure several of you have. Uh, well, I, I want to encourage you to be refilled. You know, when you look in the book of Acts, what you'll notice is they were refilled repeatedly over and over again. So we read Acts chapter 2 where there was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when you read throughout the book of Acts repeatedly, it will say they were filled, they were filled, they were filled. So when we go into this time of worship and prayer, this is for all of us. This is for me and for Caleb. This is for Noah. It's for anybody here, especially for Chris. Heck yeah. Some people need this more than others. That's right. Uh, like me. So um, I want to be I want you all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been praying that the Lord would do something supernatural in this time as we go into worship. Amen. Do you believe it? You believe it. You, you, you have to believe it. See, God responds by faith. And... Um, we go into this time with faith, believing that he's going to do something supernatural in you. Baptize some of you in the Holy Spirit. Maybe others will have visions. Maybe others will be refilled, prophetic words. Lord, we want that. That's what we want. This is what we want to see God do in us. I'm going to have the worship band come forward. And uh, like I said, we're going to continue with an extended time of worship and that's why it's only 12.15. We wanted to leave time for this, for you guys to really 
really spend time in the presence of the Lord. And I think before we go into praying for uh, one another, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you'd like to receive that or if you want to be refilled, I think we should just open with a song. Maybe just sing a song first before we go right into prayer. Let's just kind of, you know, like maybe you're in the, going in the holy place, but we're not in the holy of holies just yet. So let's just kind of progress towards the holy of holies. Can we do that? Just take some time here. Let's, uh, can we stand together? Let, let's stand up. Let's get our hearts right. Um,